Today's scripture reading is the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 1 to 5. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where the disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. This is the word of the Lord. For real this time, you can stay seated. <laughs> There's actually a hammer over there, and it was distracting me. And Steve was making a joke that I'll just hammer in this message to you today. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, will you join me in prayer uh, before we get started? Living God, we pray that we would encounter you this morning. Fall fresh upon this place, Jesus. Light a fire in our hearts. And pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So living in between and in the middle, it's the story of my life. Um, I moved to Canada in 2015 to study at Regent College. Uh, and when I got here, I was reminded daily that I didn't belong. Whether it was my accent or the clothes that I was wearing, it was just very obvious that I was not from Vancouver. Now it only comes up every now and then, thankfully. Sorry, the draw just won't go away. But it's okay. I don't feel judged. I feel seen. It's good. And as I've settled in Canada, I've lived in this tension. This tension of being Canadian, Angolan, and American. And let me tell you, there are strong vibes of what it is to be Canadian, strong vibes of what it is to be Angolan, and strong vibes of what it is to be from the U.S., and you know, I finally figured out why all of the Canadian missionaries who came to Angola always had a maple leaf stuck on their suitcases. It took me way too long to figure this out. But it's because they didn't want to be misidentified as from the U.S. It's good. I also understand. And even now, I continue to um, highlight the differences with Jenna between Canada and the U.S. And I think she's getting tired of the conversation. But I process out loud, so she has to put up with it. But in all seriousness, though, when I'm in each of these places, I sense um, deep down this tension. Are you really one of us? And I wonder, where would I place myself, or where would people place me, and do I fit? And I should back up a little bit more in my story. You see, I moved to the United States from Angola in 2005, when I was in high school. And thankfully, it was a really smooth transition. But even then, I was reminded that I didn't belong in a lot of people's categories. Because you see, I'm biracial. My mom is a white American Canadian lady born in Zambia. My dad was a black Angolan who passed away when I was young. So mixing of cultures, of skin tones, and nationalities has been my story. Am I Angolan? Am I more black than I am white? Do I belong in more white circles? And you throw in a third culture upbringing between going between two different continents, and you get an extreme example of being in the middle. But I look around our community here, and I see the same story repeated again and again. 
Some of y'all are the children of mixed marriages. Some of y'all have children who are mixed. Some of y'all have been forced to find refuge in Canada. You've been forced to flee your home and make a new home here. Some of y'all feel like you can be placed in a particular group, while others not so much. Some of y'all constantly feel like you're an outsider. You're living in this tension of being in the middle. Now, the way I've talked about it so far, you may think that being in the middle is just about cultural or national or ethnic identity. But I, want, but I want to add a layer this morning. Because in reality, we're living in the middle as followers of Jesus. Which just adds a whole other dynamic to this conversation. Because being in the middle as a follower of Jesus is complex. It's demanding. And so here are some ways that I see us living in the middle as followers of Jesus that highlights the complexity that we face. One, we're trying to be compassionate and convicted. We're trying to be people who rejoice and lament. We're trying to be faithful in a faithless world where it may feel like so many have moved beyond faith. We're to be in the world, but not of the world. And an implication of being in the world, but not of it, is a calling to follow Jesus rather than following the self. It's a calling to be selfless instead of selfish. Let me say that again. An implication of being in the world, but not of it, is a calling to follow Jesus rather than the self. It's a calling to be selfless instead of selfish. And the situation in our story today is one that many of us may resonate with. In reading in Acts 16, verses 1 to 3, it says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy's story in Acts comes at the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. Paul took these trips to the Mediterranean world to share the good news about Jesus. And this story comes after Paul and Barnabas have been to Jerusalem to confirm with the Jerusalem council or the leaders of the church at that time, to confirm that the Gentiles don't need to be circumcised to be saved or belong to God's family, as we read in Acts 15 and has been preached to us two weeks ago. Put simply, circumcision is not needed for salvation. God has saved us through the cross and the person of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection. No outward symbol for salvation, no outward symbol like circumcision is necessary for salvation. Rather, salvation is about grace through Jesus, being given to each person who accepts it. And so you might think that Paul had a sense of peace and he was kind of feeling good about the council's decision. And indeed, if we read other parts of Paul's writings, and for example, in the letter to the Galatians, he tells them that Titus should not be circumcised. We begin to think that we have, um, we have a sense of clarity. It's black and white. But then just a few verses later, Paul encounters a real-life situation. It's a situation that isn't going to be debated by the council as to how they're going to move forward. Instead, it's a complex situation, which is the way God's world is. Complex. Real-life situations demand that we be prayerful, thoughtful, graceful, 
compassionate, and convicted. The fact that we have clarity in scripture is so, so good. But the implications of living that out are complex. And we read in the text that Paul is met by Timothy, a follower of Jesus, a young man who is well known in his hometown community of Lystra, a young man who is sensing God's call to go with Paul and learn from him, a young man who is called to share the good news of Jesus. But then we discover a tension in this young man's life. Timothy is both Jewish and Greek. Verse 1 we read, His mother is Jewish and a believer, and his father was a Greek. And judging from the verb usage, we can gather that his father had likely passed away and was not a Christian. So put another way, Timothy is, uh, in Angolan terms, a mulatto. He's biracial. He's mixed. As some might say here in Vancouver, he's a halfie. And take a moment to think about how Timothy's experience is so different than the world he is living in. It's believed that at that time in history, for a Jewish person to marry a Gentile would have meant that they were disowned, that you didn't exist. Uh, for some, it was considered the equivalent of dying, that they would hold a funeral for you if you married outside the Jewish ethnic group. It's not like here in Vancouver where marriages between different ethnicities are often celebrated. It makes you wonder, was Timothy accepted by the Jews or by the Gentiles? But in the midst of undoubted hardship, how amazing is it? How amazing is it that the living God has brought two people together from two different ethnicities to have a son named Timothy? And so we see that even amidst this unusual childhood that Timothy had, God is working in his story, like God is working in our stories. God is showing us that he is keen on bringing people together rather than apart. Timothy's body is a literal demonstration of people being brought together and a person living in the middle. William James Jennings writes a comment that I think is so beautiful and captures this so well. He says, the mulatu body is the body of hope and the body of fear, the body of revulsion and the body of desire. It's a body that represents worlds colliding and cultures being brought together. It's a sign of God working to bring people together, but it also unsettles people because it's considered abnormal and disrupts some of our preconceived ideas. And sadly, for some, it's actually viewed as a rejection or betrayal from your parents towards their ethnicity. And we read that as a result of this mixed couple and cultural clash, Timothy isn't circumcised. And so now Timothy is faced with the decision whether or not to be circumcised. It says this in verse 3. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy willingly takes this step of circumcision. The text doesn't even indicate that there was a discussion, though I'm sure there must have been one. Now we could all say that uh, this is just a way of being conflict avoidant, though that's an extreme case of a conflict avoidant person, if you ask me. Uh, Timothy may have been a number nine on the Enneagram, if you're into that. 
Or perhaps we would just say that it was the most helpful way for Paul to avoid being stoned by the Jews if they would meet. We could. But we would miss out on the significance of this moment. Timothy is already living in the tension of being between two ethnicities. And now he has faith on top of this. He's working out his identity and God's calling on his life, which leads Timothy to make a sacrifice. And in so doing, he shows us a way. He shows us a way to be a bridge builder, to love others for the sake of the kingdom. Timothy follows the calling to be selfless. A quote from William James Jennings again stands out to me concerning Timothy and how he must have been processing some of these decisions or this decision. He says this, that it is possible for Timothy to love the Gentiles of his father and the Jews of his mother and with both and through both to perform his commitment to Jesus. And so Timothy gets circumcised. He presses deeply into his Jewish flesh, not as an evangelistic ploy or as an acquiescence to assimilation, but out of his commitment to his people. That is one of his peoples. What an amazing word about Timothy and his decision. Timothy sacrifices part of himself to demonstrate his commitment to love others for the sake of Jesus and to meet them where they're at. Timothy demonstrates a way for us to live our life following Jesus. And it's a way marked by sacrifice. It's so different to the world we're living in. Our current moment in culture is driven by the self as an individual and putting our needs over others. It's so easy, it's so easy to make that the focus of our everyday life. But Jesus' calling is to be selfless instead of selfish. And it's a shock to us. And it presents a difficulty. But Timothy willingly makes a sacrifice for the sake of God's mission. This act was not required, but it was a sign of Timothy's conviction to participate in God's mission. It was for his witness to the Jews. And the truth is that God calls us all to sacrifice parts of ourselves for the sake of his mission. God calls you and me to take up our cross and follow him, as it says in Matthew. This isn't so that you lose who you are or your culture, but so that you might come to a deeper understanding of who you are in Christ, how he has made you, how he's worked in your story and redeemed you. Let me say that one more time. This isn't so that you lose who you are or your culture, but so that you come to a deeper understanding of who you are in Christ how he has made you, worked in your story, and redeemed you. Timothy's belief in Jesus is empowering. It helps him to lean into who he is as both a Jew and a Gentile. As a good friend of mine says, in God's kingdom, nothing is wasted. God uses it all. Following Jesus doesn't mean we forget our cultural roots. Instead, it means we seek to find ways to show how these cultural characteristics can, dis- can demonstrate and reflect the gospel. It means we live in the middle as selfless and sacrificial people. And I want to just highlight one way, one way that we can practice being in the middle, and it's the practice of hospitality and having a big table. 
especially for those who are different than you. And when I say having a big table, all I mean is sharing a meal with somebody and hearing how they're different than you and listen. This is reflective of God's kingdom and the big table that God is inviting us to. One that welcomes us to sit and eat with him and one another. Jesus calls us to a way that weaves us together, that weaves, to, that weaves us together and the ways of many people together. And so my question for y'all today is, what is Jesus calling you and me to sacrifice? What is Jesus calling you and me to sacrifice? What do we need to sacrifice so that we can more fully participate in God's mission? To do as Timothy did means having the humility to do selfless acts of sacrifice, to create space for the Spirit to move. And so for some, it may mean you're giving up your Thursday or Friday so that you can help your neighbor. For some, uh, it may mean you turn down a job because you feel called to a particular community. For some, it may mean you learn a new language. For some, it may mean you go to a whole other country. Anytime you do something that makes you feel uncomfortable for the sake of others, you're acting sacrificially as Timothy did and following Jesus' call to live selflessly. You know, in closing, you may be listening to this and thinking, my goodness, Timothy is awesome. What a stud. A courageous, committed Christian. I couldn't do that. But friends, Timothy wasn't finding inspiration in himself. It wasn't the, wasn't the best habits to become the most awesome Christian or the 10 best habits to become the coolest leader. But friends, Timothy wasn't finding inspiration in that. Rather, Timothy has encountered and experienced Jesus and the example that Jesus set for all of his followers. And out of that belief in Jesus, Timothy now feels led to sacrifice for his neighbor. Timothy has encountered and experienced Jesus. And he's following in Jesus' example. Timothy's decision to be circumcised and go with Paul is all because of his faith in Jesus we can only live in the middle and be in the world but not of it because of Jesus. And there's a fascinating quote about Jesus from Tim Keller that I believe captures Timothy's belief and I pray and hope that it captures so many of ours. He says this, that is in him, Jesus, we see qualities and virtues we would normally consider incompatible in the same person. We would never think they could be combined. But because they are, they are strikingly beautiful. Jesus combines high majesty with the greatest humility. He joins the strongest commitment to justice with astonishing mercy and grace. And he reveals a transcendent self-sufficiency and yet entire trust in and reliance upon his heavenly Father. We are surprised to see tenderness without any weakness, boldness without harshness, humility without any uncertainty, indeed, accompanied by a towering confidence. Readers can discover for themselves his unbending convictions, but complete approachability. 
his insistence on truth, but always bathed in love, his power without insensitivity, integrity without rigidity, passion without prejudice. Jesus has marked out a way of being selfless for us. He has gone ahead of us and demonstrated a way that we can follow. And he's paid the highest price by dying and resurrecting for each and every one of us and for the world. And we're given grace each day. Given grace each day to live like Jesus. And there are opportunities for us to be selfless for the sake of others, for our friends, our family, our neighbors, our city, our country, and the world. And my hope and prayer and belief is that as we live this out, that the Holy Spirit would move. He would strengthen our churches and believers all over this city and the world as people come to know Jesus through our selflessness for the sake of God's kingdom. Amen. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.